0: The Hello! Welcome to the new episode of the Science Basement podcast. And if you remember from last time, we were very excited
1: about interviewing people about medical stuff because we learned so much. So this time we have something concerning medicine, but, but on the side of applied mathematics.
0: Who is our guest, Stephanie? Today, we have Alexander Mini. He's a PhD student in the Computational Inverse Problem Group at University of Helsinki. So, welcome, Alexander.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: First question. What is an inverse problem?
2: Uh, That's a good question. I get uh, that asked a lot. I still haven't quite figured out (laughs) how to... uh, I still haven't figured out the perfect answer, but uh, here goes. So, an inverse problem is the opposite of a direct problem. And it has to do with uh, indirect measurements of something. So usually the idea behind an inverse problem is that in a direct problem, you want to know something that's easily uh, computable or measurable from the quantities that interest you. But in inverse problems, you have something you want to know, but you can't measure it directly. You can only measure something else, which depends on that. So it becomes an indirect problem. I'll give you an example, maybe mm-hmm. that'll help. Um, let's take X-ray imaging. That's a good example of a inverse problem. Uh, most of us had have, a, have had an X-ray taken of us. Now, if you have a human being, and uh, or any kind of object, and you know what that object consists of, and you then take an X-ray image of that person it's very easy to compute what the two-dimensional x-ray image of this three-dimensional person will look like however if you look at only the x-ray image you can't get the three-dimensional structure from that because everything is being superimposed into two dimensions Uh, so the inverse problem would be how to find out the three-dimensional structure from this 2d image that's been reduced
1: oh wow and is this exactly what you do
2: this is exactly what i'm doing
1: okay uh so this is the the application in medicine so you actually use x-rays of people human beings or like
2: uh... well i personally don't use x-rays of human beings in my research because because there's the issue of uh, ethical permissions and things like that if you want to work on x-ray data of a human being, then you have to obtain all sorts of uh, ethical permissions uh, due to radiation issues. So I might use something like a chicken leg or or something like that, that resembles a human in some kind of sense Mm -hmm. and use that as the sample because the algorithms are the same whether you're imaging a chicken or a human.
0: Yeah, that's true. But what is actually the application of going backwards so why would you want to look at an x-ray and go back
2: now that's a really good question well um, this kind of technology is used in hospitals every day it's called computed tomography and and the thing is that if you take a normal x-ray image all the structures are superimposed on each other so it's difficult to say uh, it's some it, it reduces the visibility of many structures and it's often difficult to say in the depth direction where something actually is but if you do this three-dimensional x-ray imaging or tomography, and then you have a doctor look at the pack of images, then the doctor can see exactly where some, something is, like maybe a bullet or a tumor or some kind of internal bleeding. Uh, if, you, if you go back from the 2D images to the 3D, the doctor can pinpoint exactly what's happening and where.
1: Okay. To understand better, so when if we talk about three D X ray imaging, mm-hmm. it's not like I would I, I would have expected it to be like okay we we put a person in a big chamber and we took take a lot of X rays slices slices of mm-hmm. the of the entire structure, but no, it's actually an inverse problem. So you are always taking a two D image and and then you are reconstructing the three D.
2: Well, actually, you're on the right trail there because um, in the inverse problems. In the inverse problem of x-ray imaging, like uh, this is only one example of inverse problems. You can't go to the 3D just from one x-ray. So what you do is you do actually put this person in the machine and you take x-ray images from different directions Mm. of the patient. And then when you have this stack of x-ray images, uh, then you can apply uh, the inverse algorithm and recover the three-dimensional structure.
1: Which is basically a triangulation
2: then. Uh, I haven't thought about it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's two approaches to inverse problems. There's um, there's the analytical so- uh, solutions, which are well known and applied every day in hospitals. The properties of these analytical solutions are known. And then there's the stuff that I'm looking at, which is an iterative approach. So you're basically creating a huge problem in linear algebra from uh, the x-ray images. You have have the geometry of the imaging situation and then you have the unknown three-dimensional object, which we're trying to solve, and then on the other side of the equation you have the measurements. And then you're solving this huge group of equations, basically.
0: So how does your work, how do you work with it? So you have this, you're saying you take a chicken leg and do x-rays on that chicken leg. Yeah,
2: for, for example, yeah.
0: Yeah, for example. And then you're going to do the math part. So how would your day look like?
2: Um, well, let's say I've yesterday been uh, doing my work in the lab, taking these x-ray images. Um, a typical day would be that I sit down on my computer and start up MATLAB, which is a program very familiar to most scientists. Uh, having to do with numerical mathematics, and then I start by loading in the uh, data set, and then doing some appropriate preprocessing on the X-ray images, and then I do things like uh, model the geometry uh, of the situation, and then I uh, and and kind of create the problem in numerical mathematics terms, and then I start working on the algorithm which is an optimization problem which allows me to begin computing a solution and what i'll usually have to do is i'll have to try different kind of parameters to get the optimal solution one one thing i could mention is that um, as i said uh, computer tomography is being used in hospitals every day the technology exists the algorithms exist so why am i doing this if it already exists well x-rays as many people know uh, can be harmful to human beings, especially in large quantities. And the current CT algorithms, the reconstruction algorithms, uh, are such that they require a large amount of data. And if you have to have a large amount of x-ray data, it requires a large amount of x-rays or a large amount of radiation to the patient. But if you have more developed algorithms, you can get these 3D images using... Uh, less radiation, and that's the motivation behind what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I actually, I was actually thinking just about that. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like, is the yeah, is the final, the final goal of your research to be able to take to to reconstruct the three D structure of a person with less images than, that, than yeah, that that that's exactly what we're after. Yeah, 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 okay, no, yeah, but that's that's really interesting and very useful, especially for people that that need to be like controlled through x-ray like multiple yes. times yeah so, exactly lives. i mean i mean actually like what what can you study with with x-rays uh does it work for everything so i mean i know that for example if you break a bone mm-hmm. you're studying that in x-ray but what, what else can you normally look in x-ray i've never been taken x-ray yeah for my teeth mm. yeah but but that's the only one so i actually don't don't know other uses
0: apart from both well, mammographies and, right
2: mammography yeah in mammography you don't usually do the three-dimensional reconstruction but you just look at the x-ray images although there is also something called tomosynthesis in mammography which is sort of an inverse problem it's something between 2d and 3d x-ray imaging uh what can you look at uh, in extra with x-rays well um they're not good for everything uh for example uh if you want to look at soft tissues, uh, magnetic resonance imaging mm. is a lot better than uh, okay. CT scanning. There's no radiation dose there, and the soft tissue contrast is just much better. What um, what CT excels in is at looking at bones, bones, uh, bone fractures. It's also used for uh, cancer screening, looking at tumours internal bleeding is something that you can look at with CT oh, wow. scans mm-hmm. and uh, brain lesions and that that sort now I'm having trouble improvising because <laughs> um, I'm I'm not really a radiologist so yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not involved with the diagnostic side of it yeah, but yeah, but obviously. I'm, well, rather with the image reconstruction side but I'm a little bit embarrassed because working in this field, I should have a better knowledge of what kind of things they're looking at. <laughs>
1: no, but I think that your answer
0: was, was satisfactory enough, don't mm-hmm. worry. And, yes. and and just like a really short comment, I think yes. we do that a lot, that you're so involved in your um, trying to solve your problem, I mean, at least in my field, I'm trying to solve my problem that something that you might think you should know, that might be very obvious that you should know when somebody asks you from another field about this, about your field, you don't necessarily know all the details because we are so focused on solving specific problems sometimes i mm. oh, yeah,
1: for me the classic one is what do you study the sun okay which which constellations can you see now in the sky? <laughs> <laughs> like no no i have no idea <laughs> um yeah. one question um yeah. i was saying uh for example if you look at those documentaries about uh, uh, egypt like when they reconstruct the skeletons and stuff of pharaohs, and then they 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 are taking like x-rays of mm-hmm. them and then they have these images like in 3d on the screen where they try to reconstruct their entire face like I would could have been and uh, and something like that so it does your does your reconstruction look like that that you actually have like a 3d rotating structure on your computer uh,
2: basically yeah um, what they're doing to these mummies is They're doing a CT scan or computed tomography scan. And then that will produce this kind of 3D model of of the mummy. And then they use that as a basis of the facial reconstruction, which is a guess at what the person might have looked like. So when you're looking at 3D x-rays, there's two ways. You can either kind of look at them as slices, you know, just imagine yourself being cut into slices and then looking at one of each of those. Or oh, then you can look at the whole three D structure or the three D model re- rendered mm-hmm. as one.
1: So you were telling us before that there are two methods uh, to do this, uh, in- to solve this inverse problem. Yeah. So One is the analytical one, and the other one I forgot the name.
2: Well, it's an iterative. Iterative solution. one.
1: Yeah. Uh, could you please tell us? I mean, you work with the iterative one yeah. mostly, but could you please tell us a bit what's the like a bit more detail What's the difference between the two, and like what's the approach?
2: Yeah. Well, I can only speak in um, the context of X-rays, but the it's it's a little bit difficult to explain explain in layman's terms. But um, the analytical solution ba- basically gives you the exact right solution, ba- but there's a catch the analytical solution assumes that you have an infinite amount of data, Mm. which you don't have in real life. So when you have only a finite number of measurements, then the analytical algorithm begins to break down as you reduce the amount of data. Basically, what an analytical algorithm for inverse problems does is it's based on what you learn in high school math, like integration differentiation, uh, and applying that to the problem. Uh, whereas in iterative, uh, the the iterative approach, you, you're not solving anything exactly. You're basically trying to make a best possible guess. Uh, so you, like I said, you have a, a group of equations like this is basically no different from high school math where you have uh, two unknowns and two groups of equations, and then you try to solve x1 and x2. Only in our approach, there's thousands of unknowns or tens of, tens of thousands of unknowns and the same amount of equations. And then you're trying to figure out not not the exact solution to this, but something like what's the closest thing that will produce a reasonably good solution to this.
1: So is it, um, does it go on a trial and error basis?
2: Uh, basically, yeah. Um, you have to figure out what's called an optimization strategy. So you make a first guess uh, and see, see what that produces. And then you can compare that uh, first guess to or what that first guess will produce as a result and compare that to your measurements. And then you kind of make a corrective movement in the right right direction and that produces a new guess so it's kind of this series of guesses and corrections and which, guesses and corrections which will approach some kind of nice
1: solution yeah in very small steps yeah
0: right? exactly yeah okay i got it now yeah 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 but okay so then for example you have your x rays uh, and that's your data
1: mm-hmm. you're
0: using, but, but what what is it that you're thinking like if you if you visualize what you are trying to get to to the chicken leg, <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> uh, if I'm visualizing what I'm getting to is that, okay, that the X-ray images are the data, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what I'm visualizing is uh, the object and the um, the X-ray is going through it. So kind of I'm I'm kind of thinking about these lines going through this three-dimensional object. The three-dimensional object is what I'm finally trying to recover, but that's the unknown but we do know these lines uh, of the x-rays going through the object that's what that, that's what we actually do know so what we do know that that's kind of where we're starting at we have the data and the line lines or the paths traveled by the x-rays and then you try to figure out the middle part so that's the three dimensional structure
1: mm-hmm. uh so let, let's assume you are you're examining your chicken <laughs> this is going to be the thing of the episode it's our mm. thing now x-rays with chicken legs um so okay let's assume you're you're doing your um inverse problem and and reconst- 3d reconstruction on your chicken leg so first what uh, how many images would the current technology need and how many you would want to need like so wh- where is your research aspiring to
2: well, there's no absolute amount. Uh, yeah, 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 but l- let's let's t- let. Typically, if you wanted to do a good reconstruction with the current technology or the current algorithms, uh, you'd take maybe seven hundred and twenty projections, for example. What? So, so one every half degree, and and that will give you a good image. And there's no absolute number of yeah, images yeah. we want to reduce it to, but for example what we want what we're looking at is techniques which would en- enable us to reduce the number of images by a factor of 5 or 10 so we'd get 70 or 100 images or something like that okay. i know some people are trying to get extremely low uh image projections using something like 10 or 20 projections and with that that kind of a am- that kind of low amount of data there's no way you can get a reconstruction that's as good as when you're using seven hundred and twenty projections mm-hmm. but you might get a reconstruction that's good enough for what you want to see
1: yeah maybe, yeah probably depends on the on the yeah depends on the problem that you're looking exactly. at. if you're looking at a fracture on a big bone mm-hmm. then probably you need a bit less yeah I'm guessing but, but, but this is a huge amount i mean the car i i was yeah. thinking that like the current technology
0: would have needed like ten <laughs> I thought but actually the reduction is also quite Significant, I
2: think. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's the gist of this, I guess. That um, yes, well, that's that kind of goes to show that the algorithm that you use really does have a very powerful impact on what you're doing. And when you're using a algorithm in inverse problems for this kind of iterative solution, uh, usually what you do is you put in other information you have about the object. Uh, for example we know that x-rays are only attenuated in the human body the x-ray the human body doesn't generate x-rays we can put that information in the algorithm and that kind of gives additional information which allows us to reduce the uh, reduce the amount of information we need from the proje- uh, measurements
0: mm-hmm um, and, but your um, your background, you said you were
2: a physicist. Yeah, I have a slightly unusual background in, in for a mathematician or would-be mathematician. I did my bachelor's degree and my master's degree in physics. Uh, then I was working in a hospital for about a year, a year and a half. And uh, then I had an opportunity to start working with uh, inverse problems here at the university at the math department. So now I'm doing a PhD in applied math. So. It's maybe a slightly unusual lateral movement from a scientific point of view.
1: Yeah, but I think that your your subject really mixes well all Mm. of that. Yeah. Definitely.
2: Yeah, 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 I agree.
1: Because, yeah, with mathematics you have all this uh, computational part with medicine, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, the application of what you're doing and physics is like, yeah, mostly like, yeah. Not the algorithms, but but all the rest about inverse yeah. uh, right. problems. Yeah, not the algorithm themselves, but yeah.
0: Yeah, we've had a previous podcast with a mathematician who's looking at mobile Oh, yeah, antennas,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess that, that the that's the thing that the mathematician is interested in, not not so interested where the data is coming from or how the data is being procured. That's done by the physicist or engineer <laughs> or whatever, and the mathematician is working on a specific solution to a mathematical formulation of that problem. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And that's really cool because I think most people think math and they just focus on, oh, it's equations and that's it. But it, a mathematician is, is needed everywhere then. Yeah. I mean, so many things you need. Yeah,
2: everything from banking to telecommunications, there's math mathematics behind that.
0: Yeah. So and they um, should actually be the popular guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But Alex, thank you so much for for teaching us so much. In in uh, I I didn't know anything about all this uh, and how many many things you need, uh, images you need to make a 3D reconstruction. But this is not over because now we will keep chatting. But while playing, yes, I I Excellent. We should and make a jingle for that one too. We should make a separate <laughs> jingle for. <laughs> You should make us a jingle, a jingle for category, yeah, because because the first category is today, and I'm very proud to say that is metal bands, because Alexander is the singer, the lead singer of of a band mm-hmm. which is made with other scientists from the physics department here in uh, in the University of Helsinki, and the name of the band is Orbiter, right? Indeed,
2: yeah, and we have three physicists in it. Uh, I'm playing guitar and singing and uh, our bass player and other guitarists are also physicists from here. So I feel very sorry for my drummer or our drummer who has to listen to us talking about physics at band practice.
0: He's <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, No, he's a photographer.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Poor him. Okay. Are, are the songs, are your song? I mean, the name is pretty you know, recalling of space, mm-hmm. uh, so are also the songs uh, talking about about science?
2: Not really science, but definitely about space and escapism and things like... I love science fiction movies, I love B-movies, I love horror movies, H.P. Lovecraft, so the lyrics we're writing are about that kind of stuff. Nothing to do with real life, uh, science, m- and maybe not even real science. I mean, our previous song is about someone who's fallen in love with a black hole. <laughs> oh,
1: that's so cool. Uh, but it's romantic.
2: And uh, we have songs about things like uh, traveling in the dream world and riding a motorcycle on the surface of Mars. So it's very intentionally escapist.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. So if you're interested about this kind of music, go and, and, and look for Orbiter and, and we will look for them because now we want a Cytagory jingle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you have a
1: channel? Uh
2: for my band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can check out Orbiter Connection on Facebook. Okay. You'll find us there.
1: Okay. We'll put the link. We will also put the link down below in the description box. Excellent. So back to Cytagory. First yeah. category this time is metal bands and, and now we know why. Um, second one is things you can look at in x-rays apart from chicken legs <laughs> <laughs> and the number three is because of of uh, what you just explained us is the difference between physicists and mathematicians so what do you find similar or like what do you find different in these two words number four is worst buzzwords in science and they think that who wants to explain what a buzzword is
2: well, it's one of those awful words that become trendy and then people are sticking them everywhere. Like, oh, my f- favorite buzzword head is innovation. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you remember that a few words, a few years ago, people were saying innovation about everything mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the popular media.
0: I think also like uh, interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, and transdisciplinary. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. And people are like, you don't even yeah. know what the difference is. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: That's true. So, yeah, now we have had some examples. So, we we hope that we get one of these letters so that we can just use them in the. So, yeah, worst buzzwords in science. And number five and last category is abusing food for science. Like Like chicken chicken legs. legs. (laughs) So, uh, we will have um, Alexander picking three different uh, random letters, one for each round. And we will have two minutes to fill each word. So, Alexander, if you could
0: click on the letter. M.
2: M. M.
1: And the timer starts in 3, 2, 1, now. Multidisciplinary. <laughs> Multidisciplinary. Oh, the, where is the pen, guys? Multidisciplinary. Okay, yeah. give me a pen because the pencil doesn't work. Metal bands. Monsoro. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was
2: going to say Metallica, but... Oh, okay. yeah, Metallica. We
1: can, Okay, Metallica, much more famous than Monsoro. We'll put both. Moon, sorry. think you can look at the in X-rays. The Moon? The Moon, yeah. Can you do, what, look at the Moon in X-rays? Well, maybe
2: maybe we, can't, we can't take an X-ray image of the Moon, but I don't know. You you, you do X-ray astronomy, don't you?
1: I, I do X-ray of the Sun.
2: Yeah, I don't know if the Moon... Because maybe the Moon doesn't really reflect or emit X-rays that much. Uh, how about the M33 galaxy?
1: Mm, yeah, if we look that's, at that yeah yeah or or no that's nebulae that's the that's what the M so let's do m 33 galaxy let's do that mm, what do we mean mi- miss
0: differences between but physics and, and
1: mathematician the mathematics because we <laughs> physicists really really like we approximate so much and like we're like yeah like, <laughs> and the mathematicians are always like no you can't really do that
2: yeah uh, we definitely. Uh, physicists or maybe you I don't know if I can say we we tend to abuse the mathematics so uh, let's put methodology there
1: methodology yeah. yes and then abusing food for science from last episode when uh, our guest was telling us that he usually goes with this group buying milk for, oh, yeah. for experiments really so, yes so now we have milk and we did everything Yay, so I'm going to just turn off, we have 10 seconds left, I'm just going to Well, if you have 10 in. seconds,
0: well, yeah, could you okay. go I on?
1: Okay, the... I will make it ring, since you always it's like, in, it's, it in two,
0: it's in two seconds. Can you talk a little bit about this x-ray, is. looking at other things than bones with x-rays? Because, you know, we usually, usually think x-ray, it's bones, but you're looking at a galaxy.
1: I don't look at the galaxies, I only look, okay, but yeah, I mean, of yeah. I look at the sun, but of course you can look at uh, basically everything in the sky because, I mean, X-ray, just one certain wavelength that it emits at a certain temp. So, for example, on the sun, we look at very hot stuff in X-ray because it you get X-ray emission at a very hot temperature. So, yeah, if you want to to look at this certain features that you can you you cannot see in in a, in a colder material than than you look at in x-ray and normally i mean what what i usually do is like to use images in very very different channels mm. or wavelengths and then just mix them together to try to make a 3d <laughs> structure mm. it's a kind of an inverse problem if we think about it but yeah it's, it's not that you can you can actually like from images reconstruct like in 3d but yeah you try to make a guess
2: there's there's a lot of inverse problems in space sciences and uh, astronomy for example if if you want to find out the what an asteroid looks like then uh, or the surface then you look at the light curve of the asteroid as it's as as the angle between the asteroid and us changes and then you try and Figure out the surface structure from that. So there's lots of inverse problems in space sciences and yeah. astronomy, also.
1: Yeah, 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 and then yeah, I guess that we already commented about the difference between physicists and mathematicians in in we uh, abusing the mathematics in physics, and then yeah, the, this buzzword multidisciplinary. So yeah, because now everybody thinks about mixing. Topics, yeah. and
0: stuff. I had read one paper that was focusing on how to define multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary, and interdisciplinary, and it was really, it was really clear. So I'll look for it so that we can link it. Hmm. Um. Yeah, because I shouldn't say something without me. <laughs> but but the idea was that it's how much you're collaborating, how much you're just working together, but still within your each keeping your own field. Uh, like how much your work is really interlacing. Or just being, mm-hmm. being or, together yeah okay and that was yeah cool. I, have, I
1: have no idea about these differences so please give us yes. the paper so that we can link it
0: yeah because I think it's really interesting to to think about the difference of when you're working in two different fields how much you're really working together and how much each one is just putting their own individual work and then you just because, put it together at yeah the end, mm-hmm. you know? because I think it really affects how you choose to work with someone if you think about it as let's really do this together or each one individually, just putting each part.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, really true, yeah. So, yeah. I that got, I'll link that. <laughs> that. That will be linked. Round two. Yeah. Alexander, so, please. Mm-hmm. More metal bands. I... I okay. Immortal! <laughs> Wait! I, we have to, I have to start. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to start. Wait,
2: before you start, I just want to say Immortal are releasing new album.
1: Oh okay yeah. okay <laughs> <Not
2: familiar yet. laughs> okay so, so we have to get a new one.
1: Uh, three two one starting now. Immortal. I don't know any... Oh don't worry. Uh, we know enough metal bands to 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 write to write them until the end of times. Yeah. Things you can look at in X rays. Mm, uh, let's go to back after back to that after difference between physicists and mathematicians.
2: Hmm. <laughs> Induction.
1: What do you mean?
2: Well, for mathematicians, oh, induction induction oh, is a method of proof, right. and for us, it's a term in the electromagnetism. In electro- yes.
1: that's true. Oh, that's, cool. oh, that's super true. Also, in philosophy, induction was another thing I remember, but yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not good for that hmm. buzzwords. And that was one that you mentioned before. With oh. I, it was innovation. innovation. That's innovation. the worst of them all. <laughs> I Yes innovation, abusing food for science... I ate an apple, no. <laughs> mm, okay, what are we... Okay, we have the things you can look at in x-rays and abusing food for science... and food. Food, that's with I. I, I
2: can't even think of any food that begins with an no, me I
0: either. right now. Me neither. No,
1: I not ice. Ice? <laughs> Is ice food? I eat ice chips. They're good. Ice chips? Yeah, it's like when you, you know, I don't know. Like when you, you know, when you crush ice? Oh, yeah. and yeah, to put it like, you know, in, in drinks just ah, to pull cool okay. them. And then I, I just like to eat. Those are oh, the I ice know. chips. Yeah, I, like, I
2: know. I, I, I do that sometimes <laughs> also. I
1: like to eat them. Um, okay, let's be concentrated here. What you can look at in, in x-rays with an eye?
2: Iodine. You can use, um, or it is used that um, patients, if you want to see where the blood flow happens they they are injected with an iodine contrast yes. agent that oh. travels in the blood flow and that really accentuates where the blood flow is happening
1: oh uh-huh. uh-huh. okay oh good whoa
2: did we run out of time
1: yes but no we we, okay, we are we are only the food missing i can't think of anything uh, out with food like, me neither like what Ah. Uh, okay well, we're uh, yeah, one, we're uh, time. we we try our, our best ah uh, i lost the cup of the
0: pen you Top, wanna. cup okay iguanas nobody eat an iguana iguanas instead of a chicken leg
2: and iguana leg iguanas no no iguanas are nice don't eat them
0: (laughs) yeah they're so cute don't eat iguanas I'm a vegetarian so I don't even eat chicken
2: okay third one's a charm
1: yes F F. oh it went almost to Z I was very scared okay last round Three, two, one, go metal bands with F oh no F is not a letter in Finnish so (laughs) <laughs> there are no metal bands from Finland that start with F no Fintrol!
2: Fintroll! Wow. Which is a metal band it's from Finland.
1: But they sing in Swedish. Yeah. That's the why the name is Fintrol. Oh. Yeah.
2: Fintroll have this song where they go to sauna in the middle of the song. I like I d I don't remember what it's called, but I like that attitude.
1: I like that <laughs> attitude. <laughs> Um, Difference between physicist and mathematician. I, I think we, we can think of them, about the things to look at in X-rays later. Functions.
2: Functions, maybe, yeah, do we look at them differently?
1: Maybe, because I mean a mathematician looks at a function more in an abstract mm. way and we just like think of them just to solve our application. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah. We, we are interested. And maybe they're interested in the mathematical properties of the function, whereas a physicist is interested in the phenomenon that is described by a function.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay. You are you're, you're you're expressing this much
0: better mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. I am. It could also be fun. Maybe we have different find... yes, kind of fun. Of
2: fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no physicist ever had fun with a proof.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Um, buzzwords. I have abusing food for science. Fruit. Uh, and fruit. 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 Yes, no, uh, we do that. Fruit. We do that in atmospheric science. First, first we will finish this round because I want to fill the last two. And then after it's, it, it buzzes, yes. you will tell us about this story of the fruit. Uh, buzzwords. Functionality. Is that a buzzword? No.
2: It is. I, I think it is. I mean, people are always ab- advertising functionality in their pro- products, like... Cars or mobile phones or whatever. I think
0: functionality. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. No, really. We yes, suck. So it. We missed suck it the. We missed the X-ray one. No,
1: we only missed X-ray one. We did. We did super well. Yeah. You,
0: you should. You should see. Uh,
1: so, so, sometimes, sometimes we are crickets. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we are just like. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, Stephanie, now, okay, you asked me for to explain about how to do X-ray. space stuff in x-rays. Yes. Now explain me how to use fluid for the atmospheric lab. science.
0: We we use that in the lab. Well, well, yeah, we. So we are looking, I'm in the atmospheric science division, so we are looking at how particles are formed from the air. So stuff, gases that you have in the air, they can condense and form new particles. So when we're actually trying to check that our instruments are working, we sometimes need to... Artificially generate uh, moisture, new particles. Ah, part- So, what we need to make particles are organic compounds, like the smell of the forest. But an easy way to do this in the lab is you peel an orange, because that has these organic compounds that are um, very good at doing this. So, you can use um, a lemon as well, or an orange, or a kiwi, or something like this.
2: So, if I'm if I peel an orange and I smell it, and I can, you know, I get the smell of an orange is Is that the uh, organic compounds you're talking about?
0: Yes.
1: Yes. But that's not the smell of a forest, Stephanie. No, but
0: (laughs) of course, yeah. Well, yes. But there are all these different compounds, like monoterpenes. There are these thousands of different styles of compounds. And they react. They get oxidized in the air. And then they become easily less volatile. So easily to condense and Mm -hmm. form new particles. And now a very important
1: question: Do you actually get to eat the orange after you use yes. it for science? Oh, that's yes. crazy! So if you can just peel
0: it and eat it. Actually, it's funny because my my supervisor she did she didn't like oranges. So once she was done with the <laughs> with the checking the instrument, she would always well she offered me oranges. Like, Do you want an orange? <laughs> Cause I, don't, I don't.
1: want an Orange? One. Okay, okay. Yes, but yeah, I think we we did really well. We only missed two out of fifteen. So I think yeah. we did really, really well. So thank you, Alexander, so much for explaining uh, how your research works. And now, Stephanie, it's time for the science anecdote, which is related to a lot of
0: stuff we've been talking about today. Yes, coincid- Well, not coincidentally, of course. I was aiming for something with X rays. It's not completely scientific, but it's related to X rays and hospitals and music and music. And that I didn't know, Alexander. You had a. I didn't know you were a singer and you had a band. Mm. So this is this is like good serendipity. So the anecdote is about bone music, and about what bone music? Bone yes. music. So not like chicken bones, but similar. So it's bone music. <laughs> today, <laughs> today oh, it's, it's only about chickens. It's about chicken bones. So in the USSR in the nineteen fifties, um, American music was banned. So they would try to smuggle in jazz and rock music. Um, so the the smuggled vinyls would be more expensive, of course. So what the young Russians did, these are like young 20 year olds, they took, they found a way to get material from hospitals, so old x-rays, and they would use that material to cut it into a record. Uh So, you know, a normal like vinyl record. Vinyl, yeah, yeah. They made it out of discarded hospital x-rays. Wow. So because, of course, they had the imprint of a bone or so on, they became bone music or rib music and so they're really cool so there's a website that you can visit Um, there's this guy called Stephen Coates who started this page to uh, make a like archive all this phenomena and you can go there and see all these images of the bone music you can listen to some samples Um, there's a talk about it so you can go more there Um, and these were a cheap way to get American music then the Russian government were banning it, and they were, of course, after this, this bone music uh, records, but they were still, they were still produced, and I went to Moscow, and I, I visited an exhibition once with, with this bone music, and, and they're so pretty, because you can see they're like a hand, or so pretty, and, and creepy at the same yeah, time, but it's, it's, I don't, it's, so, it's really cool to, I mean, it's. Yeah, I think it's really cool. You have this skull and then you have music and it's, it, it, I don't know, I think it's very ingenious and very... Uh... No, yeah, it's kind of fascinating. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. just the, the name, like bone music and, you know, the idea that you're putting in this forbidden music there and it's it's really cool.
2: Did you get to hold one in your
0: hand? No, no. But they had there the little machine that they used to make them. Okay. So because they were also, they're thinner material than... Uh, yeah, exactly. Bend, That's uh, what mm-hmm. there was one. They, they were, like, they yeah, bend they, very, very easy. Yes but they they still work. They still work? Yes. And they were easier to make.
1: Mm -mm. And cheaper.
0: Yeah. Yes. So go check this website out. That we have to link. That we will link. We have to link a lot of stuff. Yes. (laughs) But bone music. (laughs) Okay. And uh, Alexander, you said you were a vinyl collector. Yeah, I do. Uh,
2: Michael vinyl. uh, uh, Yeah, I am. Uh, In addition to doing x-rays of chicken bones and and singing and playing guitar, I, I collect vinyl records. I don't have any bone music, but that would be a nice addition to the collection.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So maybe maybe if you get some big fans, either for the podcast or probably for your band, maybe you can request some fan to send you some bone vinyl. Oh,
2: that would be something. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. they're cool. Okay. But thank you both guys. This was very, very fun and very interesting and very informative.
0: I'm very musical. I'm very music, and oh, I yeah, love. That's talk- most important. Yeah, I love to talk about music in, and music in science. Also, wait, there has to be some mention about a music uh, about a movie. You said you were a sci-fi movie fan. Oh yeah. What's your favorite science fiction movie?
1: Hmm.
2: Well, I really like Aliens by James Cameron.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So today, the Science Basement <laughs> Podcast Movie Club suggests recommends every time uh, I think we have to make it a tradition just we suggest a movie every yes. I've been watching Ataka from last oh, from last episode okay. yeah, yeah
0: yeah, did you watch the whole thing or just
1: no my I was on a plane and my oh, my okay. computer turned off I ran out of battery no I think I just landed at some point but I have 20 minutes left okay still have to watch that. so don't spoil it. yeah okay so yeah today the suggestion is alien and Thank you, guys. Quick recap of the links. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram at science underscore basement or on Twitter at science basement. And our email is thesciencebasement.helsinki at gmail.com. Thank you, Alex, very much. Thank you you very much for having me. Thanks for coming. And, And thank you, Steph. And see you in two weeks, guys. Bye. 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 This is the